Welcome. This is my truth as a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Welcome back to This Is My Truth. I am your host, Jesse Sherleff, and I am so excited to share with you my conversation with Amanda Webster. She is someone who, when you just meet with her and chat with her for the first time, you know that you are in for an authentic and real conversation. And as you guys know, those are my favorite types of conversations. So um, she just shares so much about her story around you know, her struggle, that's not even the right word, her experiences, her experiences with mental health and is so open and honest about her, what she refers to as her shadow and how she's really been able to take that as something that she thought was bad or wrong and see it as a part of her and welcome it almost. So Amanda is a wellness coach and YouTuber who overcame depression on her terms after a near-suicide attempt opened her eyes. After a year and a half of self-discovery and making healthy changes in her life, she was decertified as having a serious mental illness by the very people who told her it was impossible. She's She's passionate about sharing her story, helping others struggle with mental illness, find balance, and live their most fulfilling lives, and has been featured in publications such as Cosmo, Yoga Journal, Women's Health, and Phoenix Magazine. You can find her on Instagram at Amanda Webster Health at her website, amandawebsterhealth.com, or at her YouTube channel, which is uh, Amanda Webster Health as well. And I am curious, as you're listening to our conversation, think about, you know, your shadow. Think about those moments that you have had where you have thought, I can't believe I'm thinking this. And, you know, what has your experience been with both yourself and thinking that thought and then potentially if you share it with others and reach out and let us know. Um, I hope you enjoy the conversation. And if you did enjoy the conversation, as always, please feel free to leave a rating and a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Enjoy. Hi, Amanda. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. Well, I like to start these conversations with the question, what is the truth that you would like to share today? My truth is that I have this part of me that's kind of dark inside of me that sometimes kind of terrifies me a little. Well, thank you for being honest about that. I think a lot of people can relate to that, and I don't think that they're honest about it. I really don't. For me, I call it my shadow, 
I remember watching Dexter um, and he referred to it as his dark passenger. And I feel like a lot of people try to shut off that part of themselves or deny that part of themselves. Uh, I'd never have thoughts like that, or I'd never be like that. But I think it's repressing that that really forces us into external darkness. What has that, I'm assuming there's a story sort of behind that for you. So what has that journey been like for you? You know, I was very ostracized when I was younger. Uh, so I thought something was wrong with me. And the more the shadow seemed to emerge, the more I judged it. And I thought that it was wrong and it was bad and it was terrible. So I tried to push it away. I tried to push those thoughts away. And as I got older, it just seemed to exacerbate into more issues externally, issues of addiction, issues of self-harm, issues of what culminated in a near suicide attempt, because I just, I, I hated myself so much for not being what I thought I should be. There's, there's so much I want to unpack on this. Okay. So what you're talking about, I think manifests in lots of different ways for people, right? That notion of wanting to be authentically yourself, but people around you or society or whomever, right? Like telling you, you shouldn't be that way. And I'm curious, you know, how, and I think about like myself and how that's like manifested in lots of different ways. Like I am someone who I'm really good at compartmentalizing feelings and I just shove them down. And I like, and it made me like very successful, like in corporate life, but it made me like less successful as like a human, <laughs> like feeling emotions. And, um, and I realized that I like, that was not how I wanted to live. And so I'm just, I'm curious, you know, what has that evolution looked like for you? Well, once I stepped down from that ledge uh, back in 2018, I was literally at the point I was in a Canadian hotel room on a hotel reg ledge ready to jump in in my life. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I felt so overwhelmed with this darkness and so overwhelmed with the pain. And I just didn't know how to cope with it anymore. Uh, and I thought that that was what was best for everyone. I legitimately thought that me jumping would be what was best for my friends, best for my son, best for the world. That's what the depression told me. That's what that darkness had convinced me of. And I think in great part was because I looked at this darkness as something that was trying to hurt me as opposed to something that was trying to protect me or trying to help me in the only way it knew how. And I definitely do think that there are extremes of this such as Dexter, you know, with his dark passenger having the urges that he had. Um, I'm certainly not referring to things like that, but where, you know, I had my own dark urges and I had my own dark thoughts and I had just pushed them down for so long, I couldn't take it anymore. And I thought that the world hated me as much as I hated myself. Uh, and when I came down off that ledge and started realizing, you know what, the shadow is really just trying to protect me. That's all she was ever trying to do. She was trying to protect me in the only way she knew how how can I give her a voice? How can I connect with her? How can I embrace that part of myself and honor that part of myself without giving in to the destructive tendencies that she tended to try to suggest or bring up? And that kind of was the beginning of a huge mental shift for me was just having that revelation that we all have these, these two sides of us. We all have 
dark thoughts. We all have thoughts that are not going to be accepted by society. And I mean, that can be the extreme levels of, of violent thoughts or, you know, harmful thoughts, things like that. Or it could be something as simple as I remember when I found out that I was having uh, a boy when I was pregnant I found out I was having a boy and I was so disappointed because I wanted a girl so bad and I got flayed so hard people telling me that I was an ungrateful selfish insert expletives here and I'm just going because I'm, I'm a little disappointed right now obviously now I, my son is 10 and I love him very much and would, would take a bullet for that kid in a heartbeat but I, I wasn't even allowed to have an opinion or a feeling that didn't align with society's expectations when it wasn't that it was harmful, it wasn't that it was violent, it wasn't that it was going to hurt anybody. I just had this passing emotion and was essentially told, nope, you can't have that, you can't think that. Um, and once I started moving away from the, the narrative that I had to gain the approval of everyone else for every single feeling I thought I ever had, uh, then I started making progress with that. How did you move away from that narrative? Because I think so many people find that difficulty, right? There's the way that I often think about it is like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so I'm curious, like what, what did that look like for you? Well, it started with just a lot of self-reflection, a lot of overriding the negative self-beliefs that I had about myself that th these people telling me that, for example, made me believe I'm a bad mom. Like I'm already a bad mom. I'm set up to be a bad mom. I'm going to fail my kids. So I had these limiting beliefs or I believed that, um, monsters don't live happily ever after that was actually a dexter thing ironically where he'd said monsters don't live happily ever after and i detached to this not only believing that i was a monster but then also believing in response to that that i didn't deserve to be happy uh, i had so many limiting beliefs and i had to start kind of pinpointing them and working with them to look for evidence to the contrary to uh i started creating kind of alternate thoughts so uh Things like everybody deserves a chance at happiness. Everybody has the opportunity to be happy. Uh, just things to the contrary. I have the choice whether or not I can be or will be a good mom. You know, like that is my choice. That's not something society can place on me just because of a thought I have. You know, that's my choice through my actions or through my my love for my son. Uh, so really starting to combat those thoughts and working through them. Uh, and I had literally a journal. I was, I was writing in my journal. I'd write down every time. I had a thought that had been repeatedly coming up and then I'd write a counter thought. Sometimes I'd also write just um, evidence to the contrary. Uh, and I started breaking it apart like that. That was a big part of that part, that specific process, uh, that part of mental health healing. Uh, another big part was just finding people that weren't going to judge me. And this was tricky, like that's tricky to find people that are going to relate to you. And in that particular situation, about my son in response to the pregnancy, I just uh, found myself getting on post boards, like parenting post boards and stuff, and just finding other people that might have experienced gender disappointment or that might have been struggling while they were pregnant or postpartum depression, finding other people that had similar emotions and talking to them and just having my feelings validated um, and really building my relationships with the people in my life that did have my back. I, my best friend, even through that, still you know was on the phone with me talking to me she she was the one person that didn't up on me and that had my back and when i started building on those relationships and forming new bonds and you know i didn't really end up talking to those people on the post boards long term but it got me through 
that uh, situation. It got me through that limiting belief that now I know I'm a great mom and uh, nobody else is going to tell me anything else these days. But connection was a huge thing for me, just finding people that I could relate to that weren't going to judge me. I think that's so important. I think like connection and community and seeking, um, seeking the, like the, the comfort in knowing that someone else has had a similar experience, right? Not the same experience. Like we all have our own experiences, but like people have had similar experiences and can hopefully be non-judgmental about it. Yeah. And like I said, it's kind of hard to find sometimes, especially if you're in a smaller place, you know, so there's not a lot of opportunities to meet people or go to support groups or whatever. It can be tricky, but there's always Facebook groups and, and online groups, Reddit groups, whatever the case is, even online, it doesn't always have to be in person. I actually, that was why I started my YouTube channels, because I think it's very important for people to have space to just be able to talk about their mental health struggles or successes, you know, and just be able to be open and authentic and honest and raw. And I just wanted people to know that they had a place to go to discuss these things without judgment, because I share my stories and my struggles and my experiences with my mental health. And it's encouraged a lot of people to go into the comments and start doing the same and connecting with each other. And I think my, my theme of my channel is shattering the mental health stigma. And I think that that's how we do it. We talk about it. We talk about our feelings. We hold space for each other's feelings and just allow each other to be authentic. Sometimes feelings aren't pretty. They aren't what we would expect in a psych book or in a movie script. You know, sometimes it's not that neat. And so long as someone's not doing anything destructive, just helping them through those feelings, even if you don't understand them yourself. Well, because I think what you're, what you're talking about, right, is, you know, how you started, right? Like you have this shadow inside of you. It's, you're, you're reframing it, right? You're giving, shining light and saying, because that's what I always think about too, is to break stigmas, right? You have to talk about it, but that, that leap to like saying it's okay to talk about it, like, I've talked to so many friends who have struggled with infertility and they're like, how can you do it? How can you talk about it? And I was like, it took me like six plus years post like fertility issues to like actually talk about it. Like there was a long period of time that like I wasn't ready. And, and, you know, like I was finally at a point that I was, and I think that we're all on our own journey for that. And, you know, some people might never be ready to talk about it beyond like one other person or even like just admitting it to themselves. Some people are more comfortable sharing it and, you know, on podcasts or more public forums and wherever you are in that journey, it's, it's okay. But I think it's, I'm always really grateful for the people that have been willing and able to share their stories because it has always made me feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you I, I think I, I would without a doubt be dead if it wasn't for the people, the music, the things that just made me feel connection, made me feel validated through those times. And while I didn't find any specific songs for that situation, there were definitely songs I listened to to build myself up. And I remember, you know, there were so many times where I just lay with these pink kitty headphones on listening to Linkin Park because that was really the only security blanket I had, the only comfort I had since I was 16 years old. Uh, that was the one 
consistent coping mechanism I had, especially after I lost my parents, because my parents and I were very close and they were very uh, supportive and loving and whatnot. But especially after losing them, that was the security blanket I clung to just because, okay, someone else is going through this. I relate to these lyrics and that means that someone else is going through this. And that's why a big part of my channel, I do uh, reactions to different songs pertaining to mental health and just share my story and talk about my experiences and stuff. And it opens up that conversation in a very unique way because it makes it not only more related to old people that have been listening to these songs for years and going, oh, okay, but um, it just gives them a more real, raw, personal uh, story behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's so much, there's so much to that. Right. And first of all, I'm, I'm sorry for the loss of your parents. I think the loss of anyone loved is, is really, really difficult. So I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, thank you. It, it, it was really hard. And I think that I, I really fell hard into the darkness after I lost them. Uh, but I've got to a point now where sometimes when I'm really depressed, the only thing that gets me by is just thinking, if I lost my life, there would be nobody left to share their love with the world. There'd be nothing left to share their love and their wisdom and whatnot with the world. And I'm that last, you know, real tangible piece that has the knowledge to do that, like that had the direct experience of being with them and knows what they would want to share and what messages they would want to put out into the world. And sometimes that's what keeps me going is thinking, how can I share my parents' love with the world? I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm curious because, you know, with, with the darkness, right? With depression, it's, it's not like it ever necessarily like goes away. Nope. And so I'm, I'm curious, like on a day-to-day basis or a month-to-month basis, like, what does that look like for you? It used to be so all-consuming that when I had any kind of I don't even say negative thoughts because I don't believe thoughts to be negative or emotions to be negative. But when I'd have emotions in the more uncomfortable side of the spectrum, my immediate response was to try to change them. You know, if I'm, I don't want to feel any of the emotions over on that side of the spectrum. I don't want to feel sad or uncomfortable or angry or any of that. So I'm going to constantly try to feel happy. And the more I clung to that, the more I tried to do that, the more unhappy I felt because I'm going, but I'm not, my, my subconscious is going, I'm not freaking happy right now. I hurt. Um, and when I, when I started to embrace that and went, okay, right now I'm sad. Like this week has sucked. This week has been very emotional, very sad. And that's okay. Because I know now that there's another side to it. I know that if I just let that emotion kind of pop up like a cloud and float across the sky, eventually it'll go away. If I try to cling on to it, then it's going to be stuck right there overhead, looming over me for the rest of forever. Uh, but just holding space for myself that some days like today today has been really rough but you know what today i'm just going to take a little bit more easy maybe watch an extra episode of something i don't know what yet but i figured i'd watch uh, something i'd catch a show or something and just take extra time for myself you know pour an extra glass of tea whatever the case is and just breathe read like get lost in a book whatever the case is now it's just i'm, I'm far more introspective about what is it I need? Do I need to try to find a way to channel this feeling and really just dive into it? Because sometimes I do. Sometimes 
it's, I feel sad and I need to feel sad right now. So I'll listen to the song that kind of validates that feeling, let myself cry, let myself go through that. And then it kind of moves through it on its own naturally. And that's what we, we aren't taught, you know, that, that emotions will come and go. Sometimes they last a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, it's just been a process of being, being more uh, on the honoring side of my emotions and feelings and thoughts opposed to trying to constantly change them. And you know what? I know I'm always going to be a more heightened individual emotionally. That's just who I am. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And while I don't really cling to uh, that diagnosis anymore, I do know that there are some of the traits that I will always, always, always have. And one of them is emotional regulation that I'm always going to be more happy, more sad, more angry than your average person when those emotions do come. But now I've just figured out a better way to channel those feelings and to just be honest about the feelings and to find ways to cope with the feelings. I love what you're saying. And I think back on like my own experience with emotions. I remember the first time a therapist said like, you just got to feel like, feel a feeling. And my response to them was like, but how, like, what is like right. the step-by-step process? Like, and how do I know I'm done with the emotion? Right. And I like say that jokingly, but like I was raised in a very loving, but family, like we didn't talk about hard things. We didn't talk about emotions. Like I was always praised at being like the strong independent, like I would cry every five years, like, you know, and it wasn't until I had my first daughter who, is um very emotional and I was like well I don't I want her to be emotional like I don't want her to suppress it so like what do I do like how do I learn so that I can like help her um and so it's interesting like I I think that for many of us who were raised in like the 80s 90s we weren't taught how to deal with emotions I don't think people even now are taught how to deal with emotions so prevalent that we see people that are having, I mean, once you have your first anxiety attack or you start, you lose somebody and you have to go through that grief, that's how you're introduced to mental health. You're not taught about it in school. You're not taught about it uh, unless your parents just happen to talk about it. But even me, like sometimes I don't know how to have that conversation with my son and get an honest answer out of him. But I I will say that something that really, it sounds so simple, but is really helpful for me and has been helpful for my son. The first thing that we always do is just label the feeling. What feeling is it? What emotion are you feeling? Because from there, you can kind of start to decide what the best avenue is. But are you feeling afraid? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling frustrated? Just putting a label on it is kind of a good first step. And my son and I both made, we actually made a video together about this on my YouTube channel, but uh, we made these quiet boxes that have different skills and tools and stuff in it to help get through a feeling. Um, And I, in in my happiness boost program that I had um, created, I have these these charts that kind of help people number one identify their feeling and then go through and figure out what the best thing to do in that moment would be. Uh, but it really is just a matter of, of figuring out first and foremost what the feeling is. And then from there, whether or not you need to feel the feeling, if it's a stress tolerance thing and you just need to tolerate the feeling, or if you need to do something to 
uh, try to shift your mindset. There's different ways of handling the emotion, but the first thing you have to do is figure out what the emotion is because it seems so obvious when you know you're in that point and you're going, well, I'm depressed, but why? What what is the underlying emotions there? Because depression of itself is not an emotion. I can be having symptoms of depression and feel angry at the world. I can be crying. I can feel frustrated. I can just feel hopeless. You know, there's so many different things to it. Uh, but once you can pinpoint it, then it's easier to say, okay, well, if I'm feeling angry, maybe I just need to, sometimes I would watch movies like The Perch. We were laughing about The Perch earlier before this started, but uh, watch movies like that just to get some aggression out. Go punch a punching bag, go run, go do something. A lot of the times with anger, it's getting that energy out. With sadness, for me, it's very frequently... I just need to stop. I need to take a break, take a breath, listen to music, whether that's uplifting music or validating music, whatever the case is, listen to some music. But it's it's easier to figure out what to do once you've identified the exact emotion that you're having. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am curious because we've talked a little bit about connection. If you like, you've brought the connection up and like, you know, finding like-minded people to help validate. So what does connection mean to you? Connection is finding yourself in someone else. That's really what it boils down to, to me, is when you find a part of yourself, a piece of yourself, a reflection of yourself in someone else. I love that. And I'm, you know, I love that you, I think there is such a stigma still around mental health. And I love that, you know, you you share your stories to, to destigmatize. Yeah. Um, and shatter that stigma. But I'm curious, you know, have there ever been moments that, you know, what, ha- or what has prevented you from speaking your truth in the past? Fear. I think that's something that prevents a lot of people from speaking their truth. I'm afraid that my truth will hurt someone else. I'm afraid that by me sharing my truth or showing my devil face, I'm also a big Lucifer fan, (laughs) showing my devil face, it's such a good show, will hurt someone else. And I think that show actually, to me at least, maybe it's just my own narrative in my head, but that show had a very heavy mental health slant Uh, from my perspective, because there is that part of me that is terrified of other people seeing my devil face, terrified of other people seeing my shadow, if you will, because I'm afraid that it will hurt someone. Not that it's going to be too much for me. I'm not afraid of speaking my truth because I think people are going to attack me. If I cared what other people thought, I would have killed myself years ago. But I'm really deathly afraid that I'm going to hurt people that I care about because I have in the past. It has hurt people past, um, especially when I uh, went through addiction and stuff, it, it did hurt people, you know, and my my symptoms of depression, my disorder did hurt people. So I'm always afraid that in sharing my truth, someone's going to get hurt because of it. I can definitely relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. I think um, fear is what prevents most people from speaking the truth. It's just what where's the fear coming from? And it, and for me, it's a fear of, of judgment, like both for myself and others. Right. And, um, it's interesting when I've observed like sort of my own journey, like sometimes I'm like, oh, I've checked the box. Like I'm, okay, I'm comfortable with, um, you know, like my, our old, our former neighbors, right. Like they, my kids are 
like I said, they have big emotions. I allow them to have that emo- those emotions. Like I don't try to like throw things at them to like distract them from their, their tantrums. Like I allow them to sort of like be, and that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And I've gotten more comfortable with like that. But then now I'm home living with my parents for six weeks as we like make this transition. And I'm realizing like in my mind, I was like, oh, fear of like judgment of others around parenting, check. Like I've done that, but it's a, it's an onion, right? Like now that I'm back home, all of like my parents stuff, like it's triggering me and I'm like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. I, I, I have mostly gotten a hold on that, but I definitely do have that fear of judgment of people thinking I'm crazy. You know, what if I have a panic attack in front of someone I love and they think I'm nuts and never want to speak to me again and run. And, you know, I, I definitely do sometimes have fear of judgment or fear that what if I post this video and people just think that I'm this terrible human being or I'm lying or I'm, I think, I feel like crazy is my repetitive theme there. I'm, I'm sometimes afraid that people are going to think I'm crazy and that I'm, I'm doing a disservice to the mental health conversation. So yeah, there definitely is that fear of judgment that I will say that my fear of hurting people is definitely a little stronger nowadays. Um, though, man, when I was a teenager, that fear of judgment, that's all I cared about was what everyone else thought. Like, I just cared if I was wearing the clothes that would impress them and the makeup that would impress them. And am I, am I saying the things that would impress them? That's all I cared about was everyone else. And man, was I miserable. And nobody cared. I was the outcast anyway. Nobody cared. Isn't that interesting? Like looking back on that, you're like, and we, and the, like everyone around you probably have the same fears. Right. Right. We think we're unique. Yeah. We're unique. Just like everybody else. <laughs> we're all unique. Um, well, Amanda, thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate your, your, your sharing your story, sharing your vulnerability and, and sharing your truth. So thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the space to do so. Of course. I am going to ask you three. I got to figure out a better, like, if I'm calling them quick fires, heart openers, I don't know. At some point it'll come to me in like the middle of the night. What am I going to call these? But three quick questions. Um, you ready for it? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Um, all right. Finish the sentence. Vulnerability is? Opening yourself up to be hurt, but trusting that the other person will protect you good one um how do you feel seen or heard i feel seen or heard when i can when i can tell my story when i have a platform to tell my story and just be raw and be vulnerable as we were saying with other people and just interact with them and hear that they're feeling the same thing that they understand i just want people to understand you know that's that's a fairly human trait, I believe. I just want people to understand and I want to try to understand other people. So I actually feel most seen and heard when I can tell my stories, my struggles in my past and um, get other people to open up about theirs. I love that. And I agree with you. I think, you know, it's human nature to want to be seen and heard and understood. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. So my theme for 2021 is fuck the handcuffs. Um, <laughs> when you hear, sorry, sorry if you're not okay with Kirsten. I'm fine. Uh, when you hear that, what does that mean to you? Well, first and foremost, uh, I start getting a little uh, visions of a pink fuzzy handcuffs, Playboy Mansion. I was Playboy 
model as Playboy Bunny. So I start getting uh, visions, flashbacks to the mansion and all the crazy stuff that was happening there. Uh, but more in the realm of 2020, I think that there has become such a huge problem with our law system where people that are nonviolent are being, uh, being cuffed, being prosecuted, being tried for having struggles, you know, and in a lot of those cases, I have a friend who he basically had a panic attack, basically had a mental breakdown and they cuffed him, threw him in the back of a cop car, and pretty much ignored him. And that terrifies me. I cannot imagine being in the middle of a full-blown panic attack and being restrained like that. Um, so in that sense, that's why I would say fuck the cuffs is there needs to be more in the focus and realm of mental health when it comes to safety, because obviously we do want people to be safe. We don't want them to harm themselves or anyone else, but there needs to be more focus on the mental health aspect and less focus on just, well, are they killing themselves or anyone else? No, then it doesn't really matter how much you traumatize them. It does matter. Their mental health does matter. Their mental safety does matter. And we need to be focusing on that. Thank you for sharing that. How can people continue to follow you on your journey? Um, right now, like I said, I have been really active on YouTube, sharing my mental health journey, uh, youtube.com slash Amanda Webster Health. I'm also over on Instagram. So if you want to come share your story or just have someone to talk to, I'm always available there. And of course, amandawebsterhealth.com, where you can learn more about my uh, program Happiness Boost that goes through the steps that I took to go from being suicidal to living my best life. Uh, where you can sign up for my mailing list and do a free five-day challenge to boost your happiness. So AmandaWebsterHealth.com, YouTube.com slash AmandaWebsterHealth, or Instagram at AmandaWebsterHealth. Amanda, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much again, like I said, for just holding space for us to be able to share our truth. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If something in the conversation resonated with you, please, please share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this conversation. Feel free to tag me on social media. Let me know how you're listening, where you're listening, and what resonated. Tag me at This Is My Truth Podcast, or feel free to shoot me a DM. And because we're a new podcast and this shit matters, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review. Tell me how you truly feel. This entire podcast is about vulnerability and authenticity. So let me know how you really feel and give me some feedback. I really appreciate it.